We're giving thanks to God. We're not just thanking each other. We're not just thankful for each other, but we're giving thanks is really the premise here. We're giving thanks to God for what we have. We're giving thanks to God not only for what we have, but what He has done. Amen? We're giving thanks for what He has done. And I just think of the pilgrims, and maybe you've all seen plays of these little kids, you know, and, and they're, uh, they got the buckle on their hat, you know, and on their shoes, and the ladies got their bonnets and all these things, you know, and, and they're sitting down for this massive meal that they're having together with some of the Indians, about 90 of the Indians, right, from this new land, and they're, together they are giving thanks to God. They're giving thanks because they've survived. And how, how much more should we be giving thanks as well? You know, we need to make sure that, you know, what I found is, is when you focus on the true reason of the celebration, the celebration itself means so much more. Yeah. When you, when you focus on the intent and the, the crux of the um, holiday, it means so much more. It's like that scripture that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And it's that way, it seems, with our holidays. If, if we focus on the real reason for the holiday or the real reason for the celebration, the celebration itself just means so much more. And what do you feel like when you're gathered together with your, your family that there's just nothing like that. You come away, I don't know how else to say this, but your belly is just, I mean, your belly is full, yeah? Amen. Right? Am I the only one? No. <laughs> your belly is full, but your heart is full too, Amen. you know? And you're just so thankful that for, for one day, hopefully, everybody gets along and, and everybody is just together, you know what I mean? And we all know how families can get. There's always some sort of, you know, problem going on. There's always some sort of argument. There's always, and uh, I heard somebody um, in this area over here had put something in uh, maybe a jar on the table that says, if you talk about politics, you got to put some money in that jar. <laughs> and if somebody responds to that political talk, you got to put some more money in the jar. And on the jar was her name, Hope Knapp. And so I just thought that was a great idea. I might have to take that idea. <laughs> she said she didn't even make a buck on it, so it worked very well. I don't know if I would rather have the money or the non-political talk, but anyways. But if, I just thought that was a great idea. And um, so leave it to Hope and Ed for coming up with some comical things here. <laughs> but... Um, we really need to focus on the intent, the meaning of thanksgiving, and that is giving thanks to God. And you'd be hard-pressed to look in the Bible and not find scriptures 
that talk about Thanksgiving. It is, the whole Bible is just peppered, is seasoned, if you will, with scriptures on Thanksgiving. Yeah? I just got to say, Rose, it's great to see you today. It's great to see you today. I know it took a lot to get you here. Yeah. Anthony, it's good to see you alive, my friend. Anthony was in the hospital with some more heart troubles as both of them, both of you guys have been having some uh, physical problems, yeah? So it's great to have you here with us today. We, we, we're celebrating and we're giving thanks that you guys are all here with us today. Yeah. I want to take some time and focus on some scriptures that God has given us in his word that talks about thanksgiving. And if you're not careful, you just kind of breeze right over the thanksgiving part of it, you know? And let's, can we just be honest here? How many of you know that it's hard to give thanks all the time? Okay? Wait just a minute. You're telling me that I got to give thanks even when it's hard? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what the Word is saying. That's what the Word is saying. And I'm going to ask you to turn to, I want to start with this, and Bill, you might have to jump on this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, if you want to turn there with me. First Thessalonians 5.18. Now listen. I'm going to start with 16. It says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Now listen to this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, hold on just a minute. Back up the truck. Be joyful always. That right there. Come on. Are you for real? Do you not know the world we're living in? Have you not seen the election process? Have you not seen the lack of funds to go around? Have you not seen all the... Yes. Be joyful all the time. Okay? How about this? Pray continually. Pray continually. All right? That's just enough to make you cry. How about this? Give thanks in all circumstances. All. And it's not a request. (laughs) I would like for you to be thankful even in the bad times. No, it says give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. I Have you ever seen, and maybe, I don't want to point the finger, okay? But sometimes we as Christians get this mentality that it's, woe is me, and our backs are kind of hunched over, and we got this kind of wimpy walk to us, oh, woe is me, I got this problem. I got that problem. Yeah, you look like Eeyore. Woe is me. (laughs) Well, I don't know. That is not God's will for us. That is not it, friends. 
And let me just tell you, you can be in the middle of the worst storm, but your spirit is joyful. You can be joyful in the midst of adversity. When everything is against you, you can still be joyful. How is that even possible? It's the joy of your salvation. It's the joy of Christ living in you. And, and we've all heard that story about the man that built his house on the sand and then the storms come and the waves crash and the winds come and that storm just, just crushed with a mighty crash. And then there's the guy, he built, built his house on the foundation, on this, on this strong foundation, this rock, if you will. And then the storm came and the winds came and the waves crashed against that house. But that house stood. Why did that house stand? Because it was built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. It was built on a firm foundation. And let me tell you something, friends. When your house is built on a firm foundation, it doesn't matter what comes. Do you understand? Because your house is going to remain Why? Because you've built it on a firm foundation. Some of us here have built our houses, in a sense, our lives, on something other than the foundation of Jesus Christ. And when the difficult times come, little by little, the the foundation begins to crack. And let me tell you something. When the foundation begins to crumble, everything that's built on it is coming down too. Do you understand that? What is your life built on today? Is it built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ? Or is it built on your wealth? Is it built on your hope in the government? Is it built on the hope that you're a hard worker? Well, you know what? At one time, that was me. My hope was built on that I was young and strong. And then one day... I was disabled. Fifteen years later, I was still disabled. Back surgery after back surgery after back surgery. Addiction to OxyContin. All these different procedures. All these things. And my world was crumbling. But, but, God. (laughs) But God. There came a time in my life when the strength of my body could no longer fulfill my own needs and the needs of my family. But God provided our every need. God provided our every need. We never went without a meal. We always had clothes on our backs. God cared for us. You understand? What is your life built on today? What is your foundation? The rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. The joy of our salvation. And we give thanks. We give thanks today for all that he has done. All that he has done. And we train ourselves in a way, in a sense, to look for 
the things that we can give thanks to God for. And you know what? When you're in the difficult times, let me tell you something that I learned, okay? When you are in the difficult times, the mountains seem to grow around you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The mountains seem to grow around you, and pretty soon you're so deep in the valley that you can't even see past the mountains because you are surrounded. And the mountains represent all of your problems, your physical problems, your relation, your family, your emotional problems, your, your financial problems, and you can fill in the blanks. And those mountains just seem so big. But when you begin to recall the things that God has done and you begin to thank him for those things, something changes in here. And the world don't look so bad no more, (laughs) okay? The world doesn't look so bad. You're remembering all of the things that God has done. And you begin to thank him for those things. Thank you, God, that I have a car. Yeah, but my car needs a muffler. It needs tires. It needs a new front. Yeah, I got a car, and I can drive it. Thank you, God. And when you begin to thank God, okay, so let's say that you're working on your car just for an instance, okay? So you're working on your car, and ain't nothing going right. Anybody have one of those days or weeks? (laughs) Okay? Or your sewing machine or this or that, your computer, okay? You got some troubles there, and ain't nothing going right. Thank you, God, that I have the tools to fix this car. Thank you, God, that I have maybe the knowledge to fix this computer. Or thank you, God, that I have a friend that has the knowledge to fix this computer. Okay? So you follow where I'm going there. When you begin to think like that, it changes everything. It changes your whole outlook on stuff. Okay? Lord, I... I my husband, uh, he's, he's getting, gaining some weight, you know, and... Uh, I wish that he wouldn't, and thank you, God, that I have a husband. (laughs) Okay, Lord, my wife, she needs to go to curves and uh, stuff like, thank you, God, I got a wife. Okay? Where's my wife? She's out of the room. Oh, she's right there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I may need some help at one of your houses with lunch today. You guys get where I'm going. We can have fun. But when you really, when you train yourself, when I would get so frustrated working on certain things and, you know, something wouldn't go right or I'd spin off a nut and strip it or something like that and then it would just make me irate. You know, at times I would just throw stuff. I know you guys don't do that. Or I would yell. You guys don't do that either. But I've come to learn that if I can thank God that I have that tool to fix that job. Thank you, God, that I have a car, even though it's not the greatest. Thank you that I have a car. Thank you for my husband, my wife. Thank you for my computer, my iPad, my this and that. You get the idea. It changes the way that you think. 
And pretty soon, that heaviness, and can I just tell you, you can really feel that heaviness, the burden that is just hanging on you, trying to pull you down. But you know what? We in the family of God have the power and the strength and the authority to say to this mountain, get out of my way. I'm not allowing you to stop me. Do you know that? We have that power and that authority. I do not allow this vehicle to get me down. I am not allowing this problem to get me down. Thank you, God, that I've always had a meal in my belly. Thank you, God, that even though there's bills setting in my mailbox, that I am still here, I still have my house, and so on and so forth. You just keep thanking God. Whatever you can think of, you thank God for it. I guarantee you, you can't think like that and then be down and discouraged. It changes your whole being. It lifts you. It encourages you. And it encourages those around you as well. It encourages. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I got to tell you, the Word of God just excites me because it's so practical for daily life. If you're reading the Bible correctly, it's practical for every area of your life. Some people say, well, the Bible is just a book. It's outdated. It was for a different time. It was, it, you know, it's just a, a historical book, and that it is. However, it speaks into our lives. The Bible says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, able to distinguish between the, the bone and the marrow, and so on and so forth. It gets right to the problem. It cuts right to the heart. In a sense, it hits you between the eyes. You follow me? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. There it is. Thanksgiving to overflow. When we think like that, when we encourage others, when we're generous to others, it, it causes overflowing of thanksgiving to God. Let's continue. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We are being renewed you notice how that's put in there? Thanksgiving and renewal. When you begin to thank God, those mountains just begin to crumble. When you begin to thank God, those dark clouds of depression that have a tendency to hang over you just begin to fade away. And out comes the sunlight. Can you see outside right now? The sunlight shines in your heart and in your life and your spirits are lifted. You're encouraged once again. Your knees are no longer feeble. You're strong. And you can even encourage somebody else. But we are renewed when we take on that mindset of thanksgiving and thankfulness to God for all he has done. 
And let me tell you, it becomes a way of life. When you are physically hurting, physically, you can't hide from it, right? And many of you here who have experienced physical pain in some way, shape, or form that doesn't go away, you can't escape it. But there is a way that you can overcome it. You can overcome it. You can, I, I was in physical therapy one time, and I was miserable, just miserable. I had just gone through a surgery, and I was hurting. And so I was hurting before surgery. I had to wear a brace for four months, a brace for four months after surgery. So I was in a brace almost a whole year. And I was just, just miserable, and I'm going to physical therapy, and I didn't want to be there, and I was just irritable, just irritable. And one of the physical therapists said this. She said, don't allow your pain to dictate your life. I'm like, who are you? (laughs) But really, those words spoke to me because that's exactly what was happening, but it really opened my eyes. Don't allow your pain to dictate your life because you know why? It will. It will. Don't allow your finances to dictate your life. Don't allow your emotions, your depression to dictate your life. Don't do it. Don't allow it. Thank God. In every situation, all circumstances, find something to thank God for. And keep doing it. Get on a roll. Get good at finding stuff to thank God. And that happens. You get good at it. You get good at finding stuff quick. And so the amount of time, literally, that it takes you to get out of that funk, if you will, is cut in half, if not less. When you learn to respond with thanksgiving, it doesn't even have a chance to set on you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have a chance. 2 Corinthians, a few pages over, 9. Verse 11. Now listen to this. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. Generosity, encouragement, thanking God. It it yields a fruit of thanksgiving to God. Isn't that beautiful? Turn to Psalm chapter 9, verse 1. I love the Psalms. It's like a song of encouragement. It's like a song of even when, how, how often in here the psalmist, in many cases David, um, just poured out his heart to God. God, sometimes he felt like, God, why aren't you hearing me? Why don't you answer my prayers? Day and night I call to you. Why don't you answer me? Have you ever felt like that? God, take me out of this pain. God, take me out of this poverty. I got bills coming from every direction. People calling me all the time. They want my money. That'll create stress, friends. Huh? Yeah? I've been there. That creates a lot of stress. But thanksgiving to God. I never went out. You know, you know what? Your bills will wait for their money. 
Face it. Okay? You can create an amount of stress on you. I, I got to pay that bill. I got to shut that person up. I got to keep them from calling me. I got to do this. But you know what? All those are just little fires that you got to put out, okay? The focus, you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Those things will get their attention in due time. All right? You pay a little bit here, you pay a little bit to that. When you let them know what's going on, they'll wait for their money. Trust me, because <laughs> they want it bad, okay? And I'm not saying don't pay your bills. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that don't let it overcome you because it will create an amount of stress on you that you can't handle yourself. You keep your eyes on the Lord. You do what you know is right. You follow him. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you as well. Okay? Yeah, but I, I can't take a Sunday morning away from my family. I, I, I can't come to church because I got so much to do at home. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. Well, what things? Well, the time that you are taking away from stuff you got to do, God will bless you with that, okay? Well, I can't give tithes. I can't give an offering on Sunday morning because I needed to pay my bills, that's backward thinking. That's backward thinking. The Word of God says, if you give, it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen. And but the Bible says, God says, test me in this, test me in it, and see if I will not do what? Throw open the floodgates and pour out so much blessing on you that you can't even handle it all. I can't tell you how many times I, have been, I haven't had money to hardly even buy groceries, but I made sure that my tithe went to the church, okay? And that is important to me because I had learned the lesson that God was going to bless me, and it's important to me that I give to God because that's what I'm doing. I'm giving to God. If I give to God, he's going to provide all the other stuff for me. Why? Because I'm putting him first. Amen. There's a principle there with my time. I don't have time to, to do all these things. I don't have time for church. I don't have time to come to the workday. I don't have come time to come decorate the church. I ain't got time to clean the bathrooms in the church. I don't have time for this. I don't. How much time are you giving to God? Hmm? Okay. You give God time first. And all the other stuff will take its place. God first. All right? When you do that, everything else jostles into place. And God adds all the other stuff to you as well. Okay? It's a principle there. It's a biblical principle that is woven throughout the Word of God. Keeping God first. All right? You remember... You will have no other gods before me. Okay? So if we're putting something else above God in the priority list, if you will, that can become a god. That can become an idol. All right? Our finances, even our families, okay? And so on and so forth. Our jobs, okay? Even TV, TV programs, whatever. 
Anything that is put before God, I will have no other gods before me. Nothing before God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. And I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I will give praise with all my heart. I will tell others of what you have done for me. I will encourage. I will be glad and rejoice and sing praise to your name. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I think that our praise does not reflect God's worthiness of it. Do you follow me? Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I think our praise does not reflect God's worthiness of it. In a sense, he's better, he's more worthy than what we give him. Amen? Philippians chapter 4. If there is anyone here today that does not have a Bible, I would love to give you one free of charge. You let me know at the end of the service, and we'll take care of that right then and there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. I love this scripture. Do not be anxious about anything. Stop right there. Isn't that just like God? Don't worry. (laughs) How many times did Jesus say, don't be afraid? Don't be afraid. Don't worry. That is something that God does not want in the life of a believer, in the lives of his children. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Why? Because God has got you. God's got you. He's got your back. Yeah? Does that mean everything in your life going to be honky-dory now? Everything going to be okay? I got no more pain. All my bills are paid. I got, life is good. It doesn't mean that everything, all the problems go away. It means that he's going to be with you every step of the way. Okay? He's going to provide your every need according to his, his riches and glory. That's his promises to those that follow him. Don't be anxious for anything, verse 5, but in everything by prayer and petition by asking, with what? Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. You see, there's a certain amount of confidence there that we come before our heavenly daddy. I like the way George puts that, heavenly daddy, right? We can come before our heavenly daddy and say, Father, I have a need. Father, I'm worried. Father, this is making me upset. We can bring our requests to God with thanksgiving. You see, the thanksgiving balances it all. And it gives us this confidence as we recount, as we remember, as we reflect on all the things that God has done for us, friends. (coughs) It reminds us of God's love and his faithfulness. You know what? I like to say this. God has a 100% percent 
faithfulness rating. 100%. Never let you down. Never leave you. Faithful all the time. Our God, the Almighty. (laughs) Amen? But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now listen, if we do this, this is what happens. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. We don't understand how this works, but it happens. God makes it happen. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Talk about transformation, friends. Transformation through doing what? Thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. Amen? There's something that happens inside and then the world outside when we are thanking God. And as it said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in all circumstances, in all things, give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. It doesn't say, come to God whining. It doesn't say, come to God, woe is me, well, I don't know. No. Come to God with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And there's trust and there's hope there. And those who put their hope in me will not be put to shame, the Bible says. What is your hope in today? What is your hope? First Chronicles. I got two more verses for you. First Chronicles chapter 16. <clears throat> Other end of the book. Sixteen thirty-four. There's been songs written about this. First Chronicles 16.34 Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. <laughs> There's nothing... Friends, that should give us joy and, and thanksgiving that His love endures forever even though we are sinners. We are saved by grace. We are saved by his love and, yeah, his mercy and the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Everything in, in, in the word of God just comes down to the cross. That sacrificial kind of love, that unconditional, that agape love. I don't care what you have done. There's no sin that you have committed or will ever commit that is so great that my love for you is washed away. There is no sin that is too great that God's love can't erase. I want you to memorize that. There's no sin that's too great that God's love can't erase. Say that with me. There's no sin that's too great that God's love can't erase. 
Remember that when you're talking to your people at work, when you're talking to your children, when you're talking to your family, when you're talking in your schools, there's no sin that's too great that God's love can't erase. Hallelujah. Oh, that's just, that's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then in Psalm 100, P.S. 100. Where have I heard that before? <clears throat> Verse 4. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with what? Praise. With praise and thanksgiving. Come before him with what? Joyful songs. Wait, excuse me. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love, there it is again, endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Put him first. Build your life on the rock of your salvation. Friends, if you have never given your life to Christ Jesus, you are not building your life on the rock. Jesus is the rock. And let me tell you, he don't roll. Yeah? When the storms in life come, that rock is not going to roll. Your life is built on a firm foundation. Would you stand with me today? There comes a point upon hearing the word of God. The Bible says, be ye not hearers of the word only. Be ye what? Doers. Don't be just a hearer of the word. In a sense, come to church, hear all this good stuff that encourages you. You go home and you live your life the same as you always have. Don't do that. Allow the Word of God to transform you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. <laughs> All the old stuff is gone. Behold, everything is new, the Bible says. There is a transformation that happens And it starts by receiving Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Have you done that? If you can't remember a time in your life that that you asked forgiveness for your sin and asked Jesus to change your life, then you've got to do that. That is the beginning of the changed life, living a life that is transformed. It starts by submitting yourself to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads with me? Can our prayer team come forward right now, please? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's no, there's no 12-step program to this. There's no certificate or, or something like that. It's, it's, it's a heart thing. It's really a heart thing. 
Okay? So what we're doing is we're allowing the Lord to be in the driver's seat of our lives. Okay? And so what we're doing, we recognize, first of all, that we are a sinner. We've sinned and fallen short of God's plan for us. Okay? And secondly, we recognize that our sin demands punishment. Okay? Just like the law. Okay? The law of God, when we sin... We deserve punishment, okay? And number three, we recognize that we need a Savior, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the sacrifice once for all. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to have courage. I'm going to ask you to be brave and come up. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to do that. We're going to take care of this right now. And we're going to start your life on the right path. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, there is destruction. We try it ourselves. We build our lives on our own foundations, and it just crumbles before our eyes. But if we build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ, there's nothing that can break down what is built on that foundation. As we pray and sing this song, I'm going to challenge you to come forward and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together and we're going to ask Jesus to become Lord of your life. And you know what? I want to tell you too that I'm not asking you to become part of this church. I'm not asking you to become part of some sort of organization. That's not it at all. I want you to put that out of your mind, okay? All I'm asking you, all I'm asking you to do is give your heart to Jesus. That's what I'm asking you to do. I hope, I hope that you come here. I really do. And I would love to have you as part of our family. But that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Come forward and we'll pray with you.